Man, I know I'm gonna get got. But I'm gonna get mine more than I get got done. Great cash, homie. This is Bar Control. What's going on? Welcome back to Ball Control. My name is Josh Dennett with you on this May 22nd edition of our podcast. I appreciate everybody tuning in wherever you are around the world. I know we got some pretty distant listeners. Make sure to also click follow on Twitter at Ball Control Net. Going to talk a little fantasy football here on the transitioning to the ADP for the best ball leagues as I bring in the sidekick fantasy enthusiast, Jake Welker, to explain all that. How are you, sir? Good, brother. I was uh, perusing the old Twitter machine today and saw that the Eagles were looking to sign a veteran running back, and I've never been so disappointed because I was ready to fade Miles Sanders hard. I was, I'm going to be very upset if it's Freeman. I mean, a lot of people are going to be very upset if it's anybody, because we all know that Doug Peterson likes to use more than just one back, a lot of times three, and you still have Boston Scott there. So tell us a little bit about what exactly, if they haven't played it before, best ball leagues are all about. All right, so best ball is a different type of fantasy league. So it's all based around the draft. Basically, best balls open up in February, and they run all the way through early September. And there's a bunch of different ways you could do them in a bunch of different formats. Um, You could do like a slow email draft, which have eight-hour pick times. Then there's four-hour pick times, one-hour pick times, and then there's only one-minute pick times. So if you want to get a draft in in an hour and a half, you do the one-minute. So it's pretty nice if you're just wanting to you know, do them at work or anything and do the slow email drafts. They also, I also touched on there's different formats. There's winner takes all. There's if you finish in the top three, you win a prize. Or there's the two X's, which are double ups, basically. If you play DFS, it's kind of the same thing. If you finish in the top six, you double your money. So the basis behind the league is you, you draft 20 roster slots, and you're locked into those slots the entire year. There's no waiver wire. There's no roster management at all. There's no start and sit, none of it. The only thing you do is draft. After you draft those 20 slots, you're stuck with them. So if you have four or five guys that get hurt, that's unlucky, and you're probably not going to win. So injury consideration is taken into account a little bit more in these than you know season long. So with those 20 players that you draft, There's, I believe, nine starting slots. You have a quarterback, two running backs, three receivers, a tight end, flex, and a defense. So at the end of each week, the computer takes your top-performing roster slots, no matter who they are, and puts them in those starting spots, and then it tallies your score. And then that's your score for the week. And then basically after week 16, it adds your score from each week up, and whoever has the most points wins, and whoever has the least points loses. I d- I've been doing, well, I'm starting to do a lot of these. I started doing them three years ago. Uh, I only did five leagues. I think I got lucky. I won two of them. The next year, I reinvested. So I started with $50. 
came out with 200. The next time, I reinvested that 200 into 20 leaks. I do all the $10 leaks. I had a pretty slim ROI. I only came out with like 240, so I didn't do very good. But I still, you know, broke even, made a little bit of money. Last year, I had another really good year, and I came out with 820. So not only does it prep you for season long, which is mostly what I use it for, but there is a way to make money doing it as well. So I, I love doing best ball. Uh, I usually start drafting um probably the end of June to mid-July. Kind of around we're getting near training camp. You know, I've had a lot of time to uh, dissect and feel what the incoming rookie class is going to do with the offense. You know, you got to wade through all the coach speak that comes out in the offseason. But I think it's just something really cool to do, even if you only want to throw 20 or 30 bucks. But it gives you realistic drafts with realistic ADPs. Whereas if you're doing a lot of these mock drafts, you have people taking quarterbacks in the first round, which if you play in a home league, I guess that happens anyways. But if you're looking to take fantasy a little bit more serious and really want to be on your game, doing best ball drafts is one of the best things you can do for it. So with that being said, that'll get us into our top 12 best ball ADP as of right now. Basically, the ADP is from Best Ball 10s, which is a My Fantasy League site. Well, I, they were bought out by Fanball. But the the range on the ADP is from the Sunday on draft weekend, so April 27th, to today, which is the 22nd. And so this is the current ADP. First is, no surprise, is Christian McCaffrey, after having a total GOAT year last year. This is a don't get cute pick. Take CMC one on one. Dude's been ninety nine percent healthy throughout his career. You can't really expect what he did last year. You know, a thousand, a thousand, a hundred and seventeen uh, receptions. It's just asinine. It's insane. With them adding Teddy Bridgewater, it's going to solidify that offense. Uh, I think it's even going to slow the pace down. They were a pretty high paced team because they were always playing behind because Kyle Allen, you know, was doing his best Jameis. Winston impression and throwing the ball to the other team constantly. But the guy's still going to see 75% of the snaps or even more. He's a lock for 20 to 25 fantasy points per game. He's got the highest floor and ceiling of any running back. Easy one-on-one, no question. Uh, yeah, not at all. Uh, that was on a really terrible Carolina team, too. They never really had an offensive plan but to get him the ball, and uh, he produced. Obviously, no 1,000-1,000 expectations, but Clear cut number one. Number two, Saquon Barkley had a less productive sophomore year, but still had 4.6 yards per carry. Still caught 52 balls. Didn't have as many gash plays. Uh, the highlights we're used to seeing from him, but he was banged up a little bit. I expect uh, more from him back to more closer, you know, closer to his rookie season stats because I think his O-line should be better, and I think the offense in general should be better. Uh, hopefully Daniel Jones is better anyway, but uh, you know a guy that's that should be good for a thousand should I think catch between sixty and seventy balls probably more and shouldn't be much of a debate at number two. Yeah, no doubt. I actually think Saquon Barkley is going to be RB one this year. Uh, I'm not. I don't have him ranked over CMC because this is based off median projections, but I think he has a really good chance to be RB one in New York this year. You know, you touched on he had a pretty rough sophomore season. Some injury concerns. The Giants were atrocious. The O-line was atrocious. Daniel Jones had a couple bright spots, but he wasn't that great either. 
the big thing about Saquon, he's one of the few bell cow backs in the NFL. You know, there's just not very many of them. And when it comes to fantasy points, especially at the running back position, opportunity is king. It's the cash cow. Giants bolstered their offensive line in the offseason in the draft. Daniel Jones has had past his rookie season. And unfortunately, with COVID, he hasn't really had another offseason to get better. But I do expect him to improve. New regime. So there's a lot to look forward to for Saquon. And I think in almost every draft, if it's a basic PPR league, CMC and Saquon should go one and two in every draft. Kind of like the NFL draft with Burrow, Chase Young. Everybody had him mocked that way. This should not change. Definitely. So, and, I, and I'm assuming we both have him one and two, right, Dennett? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and just to key you guys in, we're reading the the best ball ADP, not our current ranks. So when when we start to have differences, which I think we will here at three, we'll let you know if we have them ranked currently. So number three is uh, Zeke. I actually have Dalvin Cook at three and Zeke at four, so I have him flip-flopped. Zeke, I don't know what to do with Zeke, man. He's a tough sell for me. I think he's priced at his absolute ceiling. I would definitely prefer Dalvin Cook, and here's why. Tony Pollard's coming into his second year, and that dude can ball. Uh, he's hyper-efficient. He was effective when he touched the ball. He ran for 10-plus yards 12 times on just 86 attempts. That was the almost the same efficiency as Devin Singletary, and we know that dot, and we know that guy was hyper efficient last year. That dude was busting out ten to twenty yard runs constantly. He's a decent pass catcher. I just see Pollard earning more work this year, especially in the third down role. I think it's going to cut. I just don't see Zeke with another three hundred fifty touch year. So they signed him to a big money contract. There's no incentive to run him in the ground. Cowboys are in win now mode, and I think they're going to be a playoff team this year. So I just don't see any reason for him to get as many touches as he has been getting. And I just don't think he's going to have that pass-catching floor that we're kind of used to the past two years. Yeah, I, I kept the course with him at three. Um, I agree on the Tony Pollard front. I think he is a baller. I think he's something to someone to look out for this year. I think also, you know, he did have, you know, Zeke had 54 receptions last year. I think the drafting of Lamb lowers that number significantly if Pollard didn't do it enough. Uh, the only uh, up, upside I had uh, as far as him overcooked two things one um, just the consistency I think his the floor is higher it always he has one of the highest floors and has done it I think this is his fifth year um, just right around the same numbers you can count on him and I think drafting Lamb uh, he saw you know an eight-man box about 20% of the time I think that should fade back even more as well so when Zeke does get the ball I think because the Cowboys have the offensive line they do he will uh like I said, I think he's going to pump out numbers once again. But you could you couldn't really go wrong if you flip him either way. So, but I'll I'll roll into Cook at four. I uh, have him at four. Finally, the breakout year, I guess everyone was looking for. Number five overall running back last year, and he missed two games. You know, eleven hundred on the ground, fifty three catches. Uh, as far as volume too, I mean, uh, first off, the sixty three targets I think shouldn't go anywhere. You know, exit digs, insert Jefferson. I don't see a lot changing as far as what he'll see in the air. Uh, and then he did lead the league with 21 carries inside the five. So touchdown equity there is going to be high once again. I think their offense is centered around him. I don't think they have the quarterback to shoulder that. Cousins is not someone that strikes me that could ever do that. So until they get somebody else, Cook should be uh, should be their bell cow for sure. Obviously, I like Cook a lot. He's my third overall player. We'll start with the negative. Uh, Madison is 
that dude's good. And he's pretty efficient. He's talented. And that, that does kind of worry me, especially with Dalvin Cook's injury history. So him coming to his third year, I mean, it could be possible that he steals more timeshare with Dalvin Cook. Uh, Cook still saw 60% of the snaps last year, 60-plus. And I don't see that changing, like Dennett said. He's got a lot of touchdown equity. Todd's runs inside the five. He's got a nice pass-catching floor. He's got everything you'd want in a first-round running back. So, oh, and also to throw this, last year he was a RB2 in points per game. So, he's a solid guy. I like him. I like him a little bit more than Zeke. I don't think you could go wrong either way. All right, so on best ball, they have Alvin Kamara at 105. I have him at 106, so not that big of a difference. This dude is hyper-efficient and has been his entire career. Kind of a cool stat. He's caught 81 passes every year that he's been in the league, which is kind of crazy because he's missed different. I think he's missed one more game each year as well. So even though he's missing one more game every year, he still finds a way to catch a lot of balls, which gives him a a super high floor. Uh, He's also in for a lot of positive TD regression. He only had six touchdowns at 250 touches last year. Uh, I mean, the biggest knock on Kamara is he just doesn't touch the ball as much. He splits time with Murray. Their snaps are... I would, Kamara outsnaps him a bit, but they're pretty close to equal. And Latavius Murray was a freaking hoss when AK was hurt. Dude averaged 34 fantasy points in the two games he started. And he was a guy I had a lot in best balls just because I, if AK did go down, I thought his upside was astronomical. It can hit me with those sought after 30 fantasy point games that you won best ball. But overall, I mean, solid pick, and he's he's priced right where he should be. Uh, I would agree. I don't have a ton to add on Kamara. Um, while you're throwing out interesting stats, I came across one as well, how he um, is one of two running backs to actually finish in the top 30 uh, the last 10 years without 300 touches. So the efficiency, that speaks to kind of what you were talking about. The other is Aaron Jones. <laughs> Which is, yeah, I knew, I figured that would surprise you. Overall, I think he will lose those touchdowns to Murray. But Kamara's, I, I think Breeze also, you know, also Breeze's arm. I'm kind of, last year he had less juice on it. So maybe maybe more dump offs are for Kamara either way. But overall, fully agree with what you're saying. Uh, he's priced fair at six, or excuse me, five. I had him at six. Moving on to six would be uh, teammate Michael Thomas. Obviously, you can't expect Michael Thomas to catch 150 passes again this year. Uh, the addition of Emmanuel Sanders, like we were saying on our draft pod, that is going to cut into that. He's never had a reliable running mate. Uh, I still, uh, you know, I think that Vegas number at 120 receptions is still, I think it's fair. Uh, he's one of the most consistent uh, options you can get in the top 10, uh, definitely at his position. He's the most consistent. He's going to see that huge target share, the very high floor. I mean, as long as Breeze is out there, I'll roll out Micah Thomas all day. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the problem is, is I think I think this year, just kind of like last year, I think Taysom Hill is going to steal some more snaps from Breeze. That snap percentage is slowly going to go up. Dude put up 374 PPR points last year. That's That's insane. And he was the only receiver that cleared 300. Uh, that's the first time since 2010 where only one receiver cleared 300. So it's a pretty rare thing, which also means that a lot of receivers are in for some positive regression this year. 
Uh, the addition of Manuel Sanders is definitely going to hurt his target share that there's actually another legitimate option that can be thrown to, especially underneath. You know, Michael Thomas eats at that intermediate route tree. Solid choice, safe choice. Dude's a fucking animal. You can't go wrong draft him in here. But if you had, if I if I had to tell you in a vacuum, I'm taking Devontae Adams as wide receiver one this year. Yeah, touche on that. Um it's gonna I mean I think it's gonna be really close between Adams and Thomas. We're gonna roll let's see here. Number seven is Derrick Henry. This is where it gets kind of fishy. Um, where did you have Der- where do you have Derrick Henry? I have Derrick Henry at fifteen. Woo! Where do you have him? Eight. You Believe been, it or not, I have him at eight. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, well, as hey. much as I hate Derrick Henry, I have him at eight. All right, we'll talk about him. Why do you have him at eight? Okay, dude. So check this out. Last year, before Tannehill took over the starting job. Well, let me let me let me even back up before this. I fade Derrick Henry every single year. I did twenty eight drafts last year. I did not take Derrick Henry once. And I think he was like a third to fourth round price tag. Third round, I think. I didn't touch him. I'm not a Derrick Henry believer. The dude doesn't catch passes. If you don't catch passes, I'm usually not going to draft you. But he burns me time and time again. So the first four weeks, I was feeling pretty good last year. He was only averaging uh, 13.6 PPR points per game. Only one reception a game. Not even two targets, and just three quarters of a touchdown a game. So nothing special the first four. As soon as Tannehill came in, his PPR jumped up to twenty two point three six points per game. His receptions are uh, he gets an extra quarter, but who cares because he doesn't he doesn't receive. And then he averages a ridiculous one point two touchdowns per game, and one hundred and twelve rushing yards instead of seventy five. So obviously the addition of Tannehill made a pretty big difference. And so that's why I have him at eight. I don't like Derrick Henry really. I'm probably not drafting him again for the reason that he doesn't catch passes. And maybe and maybe I'm an idiot. But I'm not gonna bank on a guy running for fourteen or fifteen hundred yards and scoring twenty touchdowns to get there. I just can't do it. Titans lost Conklin, and they're honestly due for some regression in general. So it'll be another year that I full fail or full fade Henry. And you guys might as well save this because I'm probably going to be wrong again. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you make valid statistical points. My, my thing is, like you're saying, expecting 1,500 yards, I don't. The volume will be there. They're going to run him into the ground. I have no doubt about that. I don't think the Evans pick does anything. He's going to just basically catch passes, uh, spell reps as far as carries. I just think this is the year that you're going to have to have Tannehill beat you because if you watched anything about what happened to Brady, what happened to Lamar Jackson, when they let Derrick Henry control dictate that entire game, uh, I don't think that that's going to be allowed again, at least if coaches are smart. But again, I could be just as wrong as you are for having him as low as I do, but I'm definitely not taking him at seven. So you said you have him at 15, right? Mm Mm-hmm. What running backs do you have over him? After Kamara, Drake Mixon and Eckler. You have Eckler over Derrick Henry. That's interesting to me. I do. Huh? You wanna you wanna side prop bet there? 
on total fantasy points? Or do you want – yeah, I'll even give you points per game. Yeah, I'm down. What you got? All right. We'll make it right now. I'll give you t- I'll give you till the end of the pod to think of a prop. Oh, I just told you. P- points per game. Oh, okay. I didn't know give if that was – Give Derek Henry over Austin Eckler. All right. I'm down with that. All right. I'll put it in my notebook that is ever-growing. Jot that down by in your way, diary. Yeah. Hey, by the way, guys, if you want to at me at Twitter and get on some uh, action, let me know. I'm always down to throw down. Literally. He'll wager anything. Legit. All right. Okay. So, eight, I have Mixon. Or the, the ball, best ball has Mixon. Uh, so, a little higher than I would want him. It's But it is hard. I mean, it's – or excuse me, it's easy to – Kind of overlook Mixon's last two years. I mean, you know, back-to-back 1,100-yard years on a pretty bad team. I still hate that they signed Gio Bernard. I think he's going to cut into the passes. I think without him, uh, Mixon's easily over 50, maybe even 60 receptions. But, I mean, the concerning thing with him, 57% of his games have been RB2 value or higher. The rest have been uh, much lower. They've had a lot of games where they're going to throw a lot. And they may very well do that again. And with Gio Bernard on the field, uh, I get concerned. I don't have Mixon falling a ton. I, I do think um, he's going to uh, be an RB, low-end RB1. But uh, the holdout and Gio Bernard, rookie quarterback, a lot of things going against him. So a um, little bit too high for Mixon for me. Tell the fans where you have uh, Joe Mixon at. Excuse me. I have Joe Mixon at right at 12 at the end of the first. Okay. So Joe, Joe Mixon is 108 according to best ball. I have him at 110. So a little bit further down, not quite as far as didn't. Uh, I was kind of singing the same tune, man. I was going to, I thought I was going to have Mixon in the second round, but the more I'm looking into him, uh, the more I'm kind of liking him. The problem is, is since he's offense, I don't, I'm not sure Joe Burrow really makes it any better. I'm not convinced Joe Burrow is necessarily better than Andy Dalton. And maybe that's a hot take. I don't know. But Mixon's talented, man. And he is severely underutilized in the passing game. That dude catches passes well and gets yak well. He's elusive. He's strong. Dude's just a freaking... He should be a bell cow back. But they love him to Giovanni Bernard and sign him to a decent contract. So... He still touched the ball 300 times last year and somehow still managed to average over four yards per carry. Uh, since he also had the fifth highest pass percentage last year, which I definitely think that's going to go down with a rookie quarterback. So I think I think Mixon's in line for more touches. If he can stay healthy, I mean, he's probably his ceiling's probably RB5, which at 110, you could do worse. So I don't, or I guess at 108, you could do worse. I don't I don't hate Mixon. I don't love Mixon. I probably won't have a ton of them this year. I'd probably rather draft a high-end receiver or my boy Kenyon Drake, which we'll get to later. But Just real yeah, quick yeah. on that to cut you off. Um, you mentioned his ceiling being RB5. I just want to clarify when I said a low-end RB1, it was not not to be mistaken with RB1 in general. Oh, yeah, confirm. No, there's no way Joe Mixon's RB1. Okay, just want to throw that out there. Let me rephrase. There is a way because running backs can get hurt at a pretty high clip. But most likely he's not RB1. 
All right. <laughs> My God. This takes, this takes us to 109. Uh, Nick Chubb. Uh, did it? Do you want Nick Chubb, or do you want, or do you want me to lash on Nick Chubb? I, you know, I'll lash on Nick Chubb. No, I want you to have full go on Nick Chubb. All right, guys. Full Chubb. I have, I have Nick Chubb at two oh eight, which is pick twenty. Last year, I I was not a Chubb truther either, and he burned me at the beginning of the season. Dude was a stud, and then Cream Hunt the kicker came back. And ruined everything Chubb was doing. Before Kareem Hunt, he was averaging almost 20 points a game with three-plus receptions. Once Hunt was there, he dropped the 13 points a game and 1.2 receptions a game. That's a pretty steep drop-off. Kareem Hunt also outsnapped him 60-40. That's not a good look for a guy that is going at 109 in the first round of your draft. I will not, I promise you, unless Nick Chubb falls a round and a half, I will have zero shares. Zero. You don't take a timeshare running back unless you're hyper-efficient like Alvin Kamara. I was about to say in the first round you don't take a running. That's not true because of Alvin Kamara. But you're not taking Nick Chubb in the first round to tote the ball on first and second down and hope that he runs into 20 touchdowns this year. It's not going to happen. Kareem Hunt might even take that backfield over. Kareem Hunt is one of my favorite running backs to take in the 6th, 7th round. He's also, if you're doing 0 RB, he's a great target to take. I love Hunt this year. Chubb, I don't like it all. not touching him. Uh, yeah, this will be my quickest, um, not rebuttal, but response. Uh, I just, yeah, without Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb is skyrocketed. I am not, I will have zero of him as well. I'm, I'm fading him hard. I don't, I mean, he, he'll probably burn us for a bunch of touchdowns or something, but I mean, I'm not going to act like he's not going to run for a thousand yards potentially because I think he is talented enough to do that, but Again, with an offense that should be more efficient through the air as well, uh, Kareem's your guy. Um, yeah, man. Op- opportunity is king at the running back position. And if you're only seeing 40% of the snaps, I I just don't know how you get there. I don't know how you're – because that would make him, what, RB6? I'd, or RB7? Yeah. yeah, that would be – I think it's 7. That would be 7. RB7? I don't see – I. There's no way in hell he's RB7 unless Kareem Hunt gets hurt or gets suspended or something like that. If Kareem Hunt's in the fold, there, I think it's a very, very low chance that he returns value. Full fade. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so number 10 is Devontae Adams. As Jake mentioned, uh, he had him number one uh, as far as our wide receivers. I have Adams seventh overall right behind Kamara. So, you know, his final stats last year, uh, he missed a good chunk of time, so they're not really a true indication of just how dominant Devontae Adams is. Um, And they also uh, gave him zero competition for targets. I mean, even in a banged-up year, 83 receptions, just short of 1,005 touches, there's no one else to throw to. A-Rod loves him. They know how to use him. Um, I think those stats all boost just because, I, you know, I'm, I'm banking on him getting healthy. Uh, he's 
you know, his four is pretty consistent, over 16 point fantasy points uh, in 23 of the 27 games he's played in the last two seasons. So I thought that was um, a pretty telling stat. Uh, Devontae Adams is the closest, like I said, him and Thomas interchangeable. They're both just machines. Just pump out stats. They're going to be consistent, and they're going to get thrown the ball. I like him. Yeah, so I have Devontae Adams at 107 as well. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fight you if you took him at 104. He got hurt early in the year, but when he came back, man, he was on a tear. He still finished as a wide receiver, too, and didn't play in four games, and then got hurt in the middle of another game. So he missed, like, four and a half games. The Packers, I have this in all bold caps, the Packers didn't do anything for Aaron Rodgers, which means there's no more competition for Devontae Adams. Uh, if you take his 12-game sample size from last year and apply it to a 16-game sample size, he was on pace for 170 targets. And he was on pace for 110 catches, 1,300 yards, and seven tutties. That would have made him wide receiver two on the year last year. Uh, I think he's got the best chance of being wide receiver one. I, I'm, there will probably be plenty of leagues or best ball leagues where I take Devontae Adams over Michael Thomas. So, like him a lot. I also love him in season long. He's going to be one of my top targets. Uh, you can't go wrong taking Devontae Adams here. And if it's between Devontae Adams and Nick Chubb, you better take Devontae Adams 100% of the time. Oh, without question. All right, number 11, Tyree Kill. Uh, that's exactly where I have him at 111. Uh, he got bit with the injury bug last year. He missed four-plus games. But the guy plays in one of the most fantasy-rich offenses with Mahomes and Andy Reid. Uh, the the drawback to Tyree Kill is he doesn't see a ton of targets. He only sees you know eight to nine, whereas you know Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas are easily in the double digits on a per game basis. But the difference is is that these are the most valuable targets in the NFL. So all it takes is two or three catches from Tyree Kill, and he could he could bury you. Uh, he's a great best ball receiver because he puts up just enormous weeks. And the reason why that's advantageous is that you want 30-point weeks from your guys. Deshaun Jackson is a lot more valuable in best ball than he is in season one because he has that capacity to put up 30 points. Because it goes off total points. You're not competing against anybody. You need to score the most points. And so you really do need those blow-up weeks. Is he in for efficiency regression? Possibly. But people have been talking that, you know, people have been talking that about that since the first time or since his first year in the league. The dude scores touchdowns. He's explosive. He's a threat to house the ball at any time. I, I'm okay with him at 111. Um, I think he's fairly priced, and I'll probably have anywhere, probably 10 to 15% of my best ball leagues. Uh, yeah, no doubt. Ceiling is extremely high with Tyreek. Um, we have the pleasure of watching him week in and week out here in KC. But uh, like you were saying, they can have the 14, 15 target games all they want, but if he takes 175 to the house, it's going to offset a lot. So uh, I think it's fair. I don't think he'll be as consistent as uh, a few guys we've talked about, a couple guys we have yet to talk about. But um, fair call for a guy, especially best ball, like you're saying, uh, can really blow up your scoreboard. Um, so we'll move to 12. This is where DeAndre Hopkins falls. I would I, I had DeAndre Hopkins um, at 10, but so I had him in front of Tyreek Hill, who was at 11. But um, 
pretty interchangeable. I, 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 mean, I think if Hopkins was still in, I just don't know how the early camaraderie is going to be uh, with Kyler Murray without being able to work out with him. They may be, I'm not sure. I haven't heard about it because there's no sports on. But DeAndre Hopkins is a guy that should still dominate the targets on that team. I don't, I know Larry's there. I know Christian Kirk's there. I know Drake can catch the ball, but he's, he's brought in to be the number one. He should be treated as such as far as the game plan. <clears throat> I think the connection of him and Murray is going to be underrated, uh, especially breaking the pocket, just extending plays. Uh, and Nuke can catch everything. So pretty high on him. You know, the last year, if you look at, you know, a team that had a QB similar to Kyler Murray with no O-line, still had 104 catches, 1,108 touchdowns. So on a year that probably wasn't where he was best used. So I think Hopkins is uh, a little bit higher for me just because of his potential and target share, but it'd be fair uh, at 12 as well. Yeah, I have I have Hopkins higher too. I have him at 109, so I have him three picks earlier. And he's a guy I probably would take over Tyreek Hill. So more times than not, I mean, I'm definitely going to have close to the same amount of both, but I'm definitely going to lean towards the DeAndre Hopkins side. Uh, obviously, he got traded to Arizona for a corpse and some breadcrumbs, that being the corpse of David Johnson, who hopefully gets overtaken by the better DJ, which is Duke Johnson. But anyways, dude is elite. He's been a top five receiver in fantasy the past four out of five years, which is, I didn't realize he's been that good. I knew he was good, but I didn't realize he was that good. See a large market share. The Cardinals were fourth in pace last year. An improved defense in Arizona should translate the more offensive plays to you know to actually be able to apply that pace. You know that quick pace they like to to run in yeah that quick pace they like to run in Arizona. Only drawback kind of that didn't touched on is he is coming into a new offense, new quarterback. I do think Deshaun Watson is better than Kyler. I don't know how long that'll last. I mean, I'm pretty hyped about him. But DeAndre Hopkins has a ton of upside, and he's probably the last receiver on here that I could see being wide receiver one. Uh, side note, for <clears throat> all you uh, prop bettors, DeAndre Hopkins' touchdowns is at 8.5, and, and I'm slamming over still. I don't care about the oh, new yeah. offense. Slam uh, the ogre, dude. Uh, so if you guys like to play those, that's a pretty good one out there. Um, hold on, didn't. So you got to guess. We we've hit on all the guys in my top eleven, but we did not touch on the guy at number twelve for me. If you had one guess, <laughs> that was too fast. Yes, I have yes, Kenyon Drake, Drake at thir- uh, thirteen. Oh, okay, so you're pretty close too. Yeah, you know his ADP is well, what is it like eighteen? Uh, he's at 17. Okay. Julio's um, at 18. So, so far, I'm one of the only few people that has him in the first round. Uh, we'll touch on him later, but I'm definitely stoked about Kenyon Drake. Is there anything else that, uh, we, we ran through our top 24 earlier. Is there anybody that sticks out that we're, we're kind of higher on than other people? Um, you touched on Kenyon Drake, um, I would say, well, okay, if we're basing it off the top 24, I think we can go both directions with that. So 
I think um, we both agree that uh, DJ Moore should be up there. Uh, he's currently at 30 in best ball ADP. Uh, he's he's I have him at 22. So yep. I have a 22 as well. So really, there you go. Um, for me personally, um, I think right on the fringe of 24, 25, late second, early third is, uh, is still Galladay in there as well. Um, I, I know he's at 26, but I think he's going to keep climbing. I don't, I don't know why the numbers he had with Stafford. And then when Stafford got hurt, you can tell if Stafford's back healthy, this Galladay is going to get fed. So I don't care yeah. how bad Detroit is as a team. Galladay still gets his. So, um, yeah. and as far as lower on, I mean, there's a few guys too lower on, um, I think real quick, I didn't mean to cut you off. I think we're both, uh, have Aaron Jones in uh, pretty far down the list. I know we touched on Chubb and Henry, but Aaron Jones is at ADP crap. My screen just changed number 13 and I have him way down there. So I'll let you touch on some. Oh, I, yeah, I was just going to bring up Aaron Jones is easily the biggest discrepancy. He's, he's being picked at 13 right now. I have him at 24 and I still feel like that might be generous. Um, and maybe I'll get clobbered for that, but we'll go into that when we start talking about, you know, rounds two and three. He's just going to have to be crazy efficient again. And with the potential 18 touched or 19 total touchdowns or whatever ridiculous amount it was. Well, I mean, even in that stat earlier, the under 300 touches, like maybe not just, oh. I mean, yards in general. I mean, he's not going to get touchdowns because of Dylan. I mean, not he'll score, but not as much. Right. Yeah, so. I just I don't understand Aaron Jones being drafted at thirteen, but we'll we'll get in that later. But I figured we'd touch on those since we had him on Correct. kind of our our biggest followers and a couple guys we were higher on than other people. So, anyways, guys, that wraps up uh, a little best ball walkthrough. Um, feel free if you have any questions, hit up the DMs. Uh, I love best ball. Uh, that's all I really focus on from now until about mid to late July, and then I start really hitting. Season long hard. We'll get into some season long stuff as June rolls around and we start getting some news coming from hopefully we'll have some mini camps or some type of news that we can kind of delve into to see how a lot of these things are going to shake out with the offseason and, you know, all the rookies that are coming in. But stay tuned into the uh, Ball Control Network. We're going to start a new series for the draft portion and get start getting ramped up for 2021. Just one note before you close us up here. Um, like I said, try those best ball leagues, man. Five bucks, email league. Got a lot of time to think about picks. If you are interested at all in how this works, just test one out. There's some free mocks. Uh, it's some really good stuff. Um, he's not lying at all. Yeah. Seriously, hit up the hit up the Twitter if you guys have questions. I love this shit. So for me, for Dennett, you can follow us both on Twitter at jwelks11 and oh no, you didn't. That's right. And also follow the pod at Ball Control Net. Ball Control out. I mean, I know I'm going to get got. But I'm going to get mine more than I get got done. Great cash, homie. I'm just about that action, boss. This is Ball Control. Ball Control.